The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here is what Salt Lake's talking about. A proposal to build a women's sports complex at the soon-to-be-vacant Smith's Ballpark won over community members during Salt Lake City's recent Ballpark Next competition. I was curious about this idea when it first rolled out a few months ago, but once I got the lay of the land from some of the city's professional women athletes, my eyes widened to this opportunity. Hell yeah! Let's build the nation's first ever dedicated women's sports complex right here in Salt Lake City. It's Monday, July 3rd. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Lacey Mile, defensive player and president of the Utah Falcons women's football team, we're here to talk about why the Falcons deserve a permanent facility. So I guess my first question for you is, how good is this team? I would like to say pretty amazing. We are entering our ninth season, and in the first eight seasons, we are 71 and 9. Um, so I think that's pretty good, right? Um, we, we have that's really good. <laughs> yes, we have um, two national championships from a previous league, and then um, in 2022 we were the runners up of the WNFC. Okay, so very good. <laughs> I don't know much, but I know that's very yes. good. How would you describe the level you compete at? Is it like? Amateur, semi-pro? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we're technically semi-pro because we don't get paid. We pay to play, which is kind of, you know, where this conversation is starting from. Um, But -hmm. it's the highest level of women's tackle football as well. So, in a way, you can think of it as professional. But, again, that mostly comes down to being semi-pro because we don't get paid. I would argue that we are the best league out there as well. There's a few leagues around the, the nation. But I would argue the WNFC is the best league and then... Yeah, we're competing at the highest level possible. Wow. Okay. Is there a men's football team that's similar or like comparable in Salt Lake? There is an indoor league, a men's indoor league. Is it comparable? That's hard to say, right? Because like if we're the highest level in a way, you could think the comparable is the NFL. Obviously, we're in very different levels uh, at the same time. But you could almost think of the the next level down the feeder teams to the NFL would okay. be kind of where we live but yeah there is a an indoor league men's team here okay interesting so then it, it would be probably more closely compared to like the bees or the grizzlies yeah absolutely yeah okay so the as you mentioned the falcons are two-time national champions where do you play so our home games are played at Cottonwood High School we've been playing there for 
I think at least seven years as our home field. Away mm-hmm. games are also typically high school fields. You know, I don't know if you've been to Cottonwood. Cottonwood's pretty nice. We play on nice fields. We play on unkept fields as well. The nicest place we've gotten to play is uh, last year, the championship game was actually at the Star, which is the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. So that was really amazing. How much does it cost you to play at Cottonwood High School? Our cost for, you know, you think securing the field, EMTs, concessions, all the things. Um, we actually play our games in the middle of the day so we don't have to pay for lights because um, that's a thing. Okay. Our cost is about $1,600 a game. That's really high. It's, it's pretty high. Yeah, because I heard a rumor that the Salt Lake Bees are paying about $1,200 a month for the ballpark. Yes, I heard that rumor too. Um, yeah. And that includes all games, all practices. Yeah, yeah. whereas ours is, it's $1,600 literally just for game day. Hmm. Does that include refs? It doesn't. Refs, broadcasting, all of that is on top of. That, that piece is just for facilities, locker rooms, broadcast area, but not the broadcast team, concession stands, bathrooms, that type of thing. And then what do you pay to practice? So practice is less expensive because it has to be. So practices are about 50 bucks a practice, um, but we're not practicing on a football field. Um, We practice on, at Cottonwood, they have this kind of grass area near their baseball fields. And we practice there solely because we can't afford to practice on the the turf. And I heard you mention that you all are paying to play. So how do you make money as a team? Part of it is the women pay to play. That helps secure these fields as well as we cover travel. We we secure a bus and one night of a hotel room. Um, the fees from the women cover about a third of our operating budget. The rest has to come from fundraisers or sponsorships. I would say when you think about fundraisers, you can almost think of us as like a little league team. We are doing anywhere from selling popcorn or a bake sale to we just had a, a larger event at Top Golf. So kind of anything and everything. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it sounds really familiar to being on a high school team. 100%. As opposed to what you actually are as a team, which is two-time national <laughs> champions. And it sounds like the best, like as, as high as you could play up for women playing football right now. Exactly, absolutely. What's your audience like? Who fills the stands? So a lot of it is friends, family, you know, people, we coworkers, those types of people who have just gotten the message that there is a team because I think that's part of it as well as just awareness. We also have some dedicated fans from maybe alumni or alumni's families. Um, and then we do also get, once we secure sponsors, a lot of times they're coming as well or doing a mm-hmm. team outing and bringing their whole team. Um, we work closely with some organizations in the community. So Mascot for Miracles, Girls on the Run, the Utah Youth Girls football team. So a lot of times those people will also come and fill our stands. But yeah, a lot of friends, family, coworkers, all trying to support us. I mean, the thing that is notable to me about you describing this team is that it feels very DIY. Absolutely. Which is surprising given that you play at such a high level. Yes. I'm hearing that there's not a ton of investment. How normal is this for women's sports teams? I think this is pretty normal, unfortunately, for women's sports teams. I mean, this is the only team I've played on at this level. Um, I think you can see 
different things like the women's national soccer team, what they're fighting for and have fought for, right? That's probably the best right. that we've had. Um, but you, if you look at anything that is um, not women's national soccer team, I think this mm-hmm. is pretty normal. It's a lot of DIY, a lot of people doing the fundraising and the organizing of uniforms and fields and trying to play at the same time. Can you paint a picture for me of what it takes to get a game together? Because I'm guessing it's a lot of grunt work. Lots of grunt work. Yes. Um, we're, do- we're going through this right now. We just had a scrimmage game to try to get some kinks out, right? And then we have our first game this weekend. So, um, you know, it starts in September and our season opener is April 1st. So we're, we have to secure everything from refs, a broadcasting team, an announcer, the field itself, um, chain gang and other volunteers to run admissions and concessions. If it's a home game, we're not obviously not traveling, but if we're traveling, we need a bus to get there. And we're traveling to places like Portland or LA or San Diego. So they're not short bus trips, right? We'd yeah, much that's prefer to Not Boise, fly. not Denver. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If we're traveling hotel rooms, um, then you can think about uh, we're filling the concessions, right? So going to Costco and getting what we need to go in those concessions. Um, We have to get there early and set up the field ourselves. Um, So we're doing things like that. I have girls right now pulling names and numbers off of uniforms to put new names and numbers on the uniforms of rookies who have joined the team. So it's really anything from fixing our own helmets and finding our own field to um, like I said, setting up the field or stocking the concession stands. You know, a couple of days ago, I talked to Shannon Woolley, who is the head of the Vipers yes. rugby team. And one of the things that she brought up that's a struggle for them is childcare. Because she's like, we're not like most of the women on our team are moms. So they're like running these sort of like this sideline childcare thing <laughs> during practices. And that also when you factor in like travel, that sounds exhausting. Oh, absolutely. It's interesting because I respect this or I guess experience this even more now (laughs) because I am now also a mom. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. It's funny. Often we'll have like older children of women on the team who are watching the younger children of women on the team on the sidelines. Um, Last year, I'm lucky enough to have a partner who would probably say he's almost like a single father during the season. Um, So I appreciate (laughs) him. Um, But last season, I had to bring my daughter on one of our away games. um, And she was two months old, you know, some somewhere Mm. around there. And one of our coaches wives watched her during the game and I would run. I think it actually gave me extra energy on the field because I would like run and do a play and then run off and be like, is everything okay? She's like, yes, go back and play your game. Um, So definitely have childcare going on on the sidelines um, constantly. Yeah. Wow. I'm laughing because it's like this sort of classic, like if we couldn't laugh, we would all go insane. (laughs) Like (laughs) sit in the corner and cry. You really have to laugh. laugh. (laughs) You, yeah, you have to laugh about it. You really have to. I mean, Is it worth it? Because this sounds like so much work to play. Absolutely. Hmm. I think what's insanely incredible is we have everything from 18-year-olds to I think our oldest player is 54 Hmm. on the team. All these are people from 
a million different walks of life, a million different professional backgrounds, athletic backgrounds, but there are people you would never meet otherwise, right? So the community and the individuals you're meeting is unmatched. You know, I don't think you could get it anywhere else. And then the um, passion that everyone brings and the community you start to get once you're on the field is absolutely worth it. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patience, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Well, so, I mean, the reason we're having this conversation is because, you know, the Salt Lake Bees, which it sounds like are basically the equivalent to the Falcons in terms of the level at which they're competing. They're leaving the ballpark neighborhood. They're headed to the suburbs. The city's trying to decide what to do with the ballpark now. And they hosted this design competition with an open call for entries. Mm -hmm. And you are one of the co-signers of a proposal that was submitted that asks that the Smith ball field remain in place and be converted to a multi-use hub and haven for women's athletics. Can you give me the Shark Tank pitch? Like, what makes this viable? <laughs> yeah, I think a couple of things. It's an opportunity for Utah to support women. And I'm not saying that Utah doesn't do that compared to other states. From my knowledge, no states have this type of thing, but it's an opportunity to be a pioneer in that 
area of supporting women in their athletics. Um, I also think it's huge opportunity to bring all of our different teams together. The proposal is for multiple different types of fields and facilities for multiple different types of women's athletics. Um, so bringing us all together in one place, I think will benefit not only us as individual organizations, but um, again, the community as a whole. And then monetarily, with us having all these different teams, it's an opportunity for the ballpark to be used year round um, and more often than it was used for the bees themselves. We could bring in additional fundraisers. Like right now, we didn't talk about this earlier. We don't have any spaces to host fundraisers. So if we are doing a fundraiser, we need to rent out a space. We have no office uh, space or facilities. We have no shared training space. So I think it, it storage, all, all those things, right? Like, uh, again, uh, my husband was like, during the season, is your car ever not going to have a million boxes in it? Like, the baby can't <laughs> fit. I was like, well, um, we'll make room just for the baby. It's fine. Um, but yeah, storage, all of those things. Um, so it could help not only bring more life, I think, into that area of Salt Lake City and bring more in new people into the area who maybe weren't attending the bees. Like I said, with the different types of teams, it's going to reach a broader network of people. Um, but then there's other opportunities like the proposal talks about potential daycare options. So that actually even takes us outside of just the athletics of it and brings local community members to benefit from it as well. Yeah. One of the things I thought was really interesting about the proposal is that it says here, a field suitable for soccer, football, rugby, lacrosse, ultimate, and field hockey would fit in the existing field footprint with only minor initial renovations. Exactly. This is an all this this is all in one shampoo. <laughs> exactly. Men love that. <laughs> Men do love that. Um, and I think we're now trying to figure out how to add a roller derby uh, venue in there too. So add one more. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the you are a co-signer on this proposal, but there are two leads on this proposal, and they are both developers, which I also think is you know, worth noting. And one of them is Abir Malik, the vice president of the Colmina Group, which owns the land like west of the ballpark. Mm -hmm. So it would kind of be part of this package. And yeah, I was shocked to read that there has never been in the history of this country a purpose-built female stadium. Yeah, that's insane, right? That is insane to me. I actually have feel a little bit of hope knowing that I'm not personally jaded enough <laughs> to not be shocked by that. But yeah, that really moved me. I'm curious what kind of difference having a complex like this, you know, offices, storage, all the things you mentioned, what kind of difference would it make for you and your team? Oh man, I mean, we probably spend, I probably spend alone 20 hours a week working on football things. And a lot of those are around field related type of opportunities. And then we have other people who are doing the same thing. So hours saved would be a huge one when we all also have full-time jobs, families, all those other things, right? Um, I also think it would be a huge opportunity for attracting additional larger sponsors. So instead mm. of potentially bake sales and popcorn, it's more of those <laughs> larger sponsors, which makes us feel a little bit more at the level that we are. Yeah. And then also just thinking about 
the ability to perform as an athlete. Right now in that uh, field that we're, you know, we're practicing on, we don't have lines. So we're running routes and they can't be as sharp as they should be because we're guessing on where those lines are. Um, We are dodging potential potholes, sticks, dog poop, like all of the above as we're running. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would prevent more injuries, but again, give us a better ability to train and practice and be better on the field itself as well. Yeah. Well, and the Falcons are sort of top tier, but again, I mentioned that I talked to Shannon Woolley, the president of the Viper women's rugby team, and she said that often the women on their team don't get recruited. Like they don't have a chance to play up because they can't host championships and they can't like, they can't host games and competitions. And so without a facility, they don't get seen. Absolutely. And it means that they can't get recruited up. Yeah. And I think um, there's nowhere to be recruited up, I guess, necessarily on on the Falcons, but it would give us a better ability to host more things. We are hosting playoffs this year. But again, if we could host playoffs in the Bees facility versus Cottonwood yeah. High School, that is game changing. Right. Mm-hmm. But also would bring revenue to the more years we can host brings revenue to Salt Lake as a whole. And, you know, whether that we continue to have the uh, agreement with the star or not, um, maybe it would mean we could host. Uh, the championship at some point if we had that facility. I imagine as this proposal works its way, you know, through the pipeline, one of the questions you're going to get asked a lot is, you guys think you can sell that place out? (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, you think these teams can sell out that stadium? I think it will give us the ability to bring more awareness that absolutely um, maybe it's not going to be very first game but I think once people see the product we're putting on the field these are good games like yes it's women's football you know yes it's a different type of game but I mean I would argue to say sometimes our games are more interesting than maybe some of the NFL games Um, you know who's to say for sure but I think once people are aware and start to see the product we're putting out absolutely right well and we can't make comments on return on investment before we've made the investment (laughs) absolutely and I think um, we as a league are starting to work on those types of things too so we're only going to get bigger and bigger Um, You know, as a league, we do have a couple of larger sponsors like Rydell and Adidas, and that would only help us more get hopefully more sponsorships from them or others as well. Lacey Mile, defensive player and president of the Utah Falcons football team. Thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. The She Plays Here proposal did win first place in the Ballpark Next competition and a $15,000 cash prize. 4,600 people voted in the contest. Now, from the start, the city made no promises that the competition winners would influence the future direction of the ballpark stadium. The goal here was always just to generate ideas. But I chatted with Tessa Arneson the other day. She's one of the developers involved with the proposal. And she did confess to me that she was hoping the city shared their enthusiasm and the public stoke for this idea a little bit more. She said Salt Lake is still going to move forward with a traditional process, going into more rounds of ideation for the space, hiring some consultants, and then going into an RFP phase, also known as a request for proposals, at which point she plays here could apply again more formally. Now, the bees still have this stadium for another year of play. 
But the timeline for getting answers on the future of the ballpark is looking kind of long and kind of slow right now. Though Mayor Erin Mendenhall said she does not want this lot to sit vacant. She was quoted in January saying, when they stop playing baseball in two seasons, we want to be able to break ground the next day. What I can tell you is that the She Plays Here team is persistent. If this proposal doesn't end up in the ballpark, they're already curious where it could come to life. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We are off for the 4th of July, but we will be back Wednesday morning with more from around this city. Bye.